Hello and welcome to Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. I'm Caroline Allen. My goal in my business and through this podcast is to help you raise kind, resilient young people and is to walk alongside you on your journey towards safer, stronger parenting. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello everyone, it's Caroline Ellen here. Welcome to season two of Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. I've had a break from podcasting for quite some time and I'm feeling really excited to get back into it and bring you this series of 12 podcast episodes. Where this series is coming from, where this 12 episodes is coming from, is I decided one day to sit down and write a list of the themes that most commonly come up in my private coaching. So the things that I repeatedly hear from parents, things that we wind up unpacking and exploring and reflecting on, and when parents are able to make shifts in their thinking of their beliefs in these areas, I find we can create really big change. And often these beliefs are tucked away in the background. Often parents don't even realize that these beliefs are hiding there until we go digging around and we unearth them. Or they might be lurking there since their own childhood and their own upbringing. And when we find them and we challenge them, we explore them, big change happens. And suddenly their parenting journey becomes significantly easier because they've had this reframe or they've done this thinking and this work. So I've compiled this list of 12 themes and in these episodes I'm going to explore one each episode and I really believe with my whole heart that it will transform your parenting in really profound ways. It might dig up a lot of old beliefs and old thinkings that you just didn't even know was lurking there. So shall we get into it? The first one that sprang to mind when I started this list is this one. Behaviour is communication. Behaviour is communication. You have probably seen that written around the internet, written over Facebook. I know I've written about it in the past. You've probably seen it written and explored in all sorts of different places. But let's really pause on it and unpack what it really means. To do that, I want to start with thinking about just imagining. Let's just imagine that you come home from work one day. You've had a really bad day at work. Your manager yelled at you. You handed in some work that you'd been doing for ages. You'd worked really hard on it and it wasn't well received. Your lunch wasn't what you've expected. Your friends weren't there at work today, so you couldn't even debrief with them. It just felt like hard going. It sucked. You're just over it. You're tired. You're strung out. And all you want to do, if you're quite honest, is go home and crawl into bed. What happens when you get home? When you get home, are you your best version of yourself? Are you flexible and adaptable? Are you able to do your best problem solving around the issues? So let's take a moment to imagine how you might behave. Are you maybe a little bit short with your family members, a bit snappy? Are you maybe kind of grumpy and not really your best sense of humour? Do you kind of yell at people unfairly, maybe? And you know that you're doing it, but at the same time, are you able just to stop? 
or is it kind of just all too much? What do you need at that moment when you're stuck in that place? Do you need someone to shame you for that behaviour? Would it help you if someone shamed you for how you were behaving at that time? Or is the truth is you already know how your behaving is not okay. It's just it's all too much and you can't really stop it. Would it help you if your partner sent you to your room for time by yourself to think things over? Not in a nice inviting, hey, why don't you go read your book and have a relaxed kind of way, but a, I don't want to be around you, so can you please go to your room and just stay in there until I decide it's time for you to come out? Would it be helpful to you if your partner starts immediately problem solving and telling you, well, maybe you should just work harder on your presentation next time? Or, well, did you clarify what was expected of that project you were working on before you started? Well, maybe you just need to try a little bit harder. Maybe you just need to put in a bit more effort and then things would be easier. Well, I've told you, that manager, you can't expect anything different from her. She's done this over and over again. So why do you expect things to be different? Just don't worry about it. I think we can safely say that none of those things would be helpful. When you're imagining that scenario for yourself as an adult, you get an immediate physical response to the fact that none of those things are helpful. You, in that moment, do not want someone to solve the problem for you. You do not want someone to tell you what you should have done differently. You don't want someone to shame you for your feelings. You don't want someone to punish you and send you off to be on your own. What you do want is someone to realise that the way you're acting is not really you. It's just the fact that you're upset. It's been a really hard day and you need someone to see you and hear you and really see your experience and go come alongside you and say, hey, I get it. That sounds like it was a really hard day. What do you need? How can I help? Instead of shaming you, punishing you, solving the problem for you, just a simple, how can I help? Oh, you get a physical reaction to that as well, don't you? We know that this is true for us. We know that when we're feeling crummy, tired, stressed, average, worried, frustrated, anxious, it comes out in our behaviour. This is a normal part of the human experience. As we get older, our brains are more mature. We get better at regulating those feelings. We get better at reading our own feelings and knowing how to respond to them and knowing how to express them. We get better at knowing, oh, I'm feeling like this because this is where that came from and I kind of know what to do about it for myself. So we have more experience with life and with feelings than our kids do, don't we? We have more experience regulating them and working through them. Yet it's still hard even for us. And even for us, regularly, we'll feel overwhelmed by our feelings and it will come out in our behaviour. So it is true for us, it is true for us that behaviour is communication and it is communicating our feelings, our unsolved problems, our unmet needs. It is true for us, it's even more true for our children. The reason it's even more true for our children is the very simple fact that their brains are less mature. So because 
when they're born, they're really it's their brain stem, the survival part of the brain. That's their primary mode of operation. As they grow more, the limbic system becomes more in operation. And then as they grow more, they get bigger and bigger. Then their prefrontal cortex comes online. They're able to access more of their thinking, their problem solving, their ability to regulate those feelings. But it's not there at first. They're only developing those connections. They need help, time, practice, repeated experiences. They need repeated experiences of people helping them to identify their feelings and helping them calm down, helping them learn how to connect the dots, how to notice the correlation between how they're behaving, how they're feeling, and then what to do about it, how to talk about it, how to express it in safe ways. This is a big lens shift. When I sit here and describe it, it all sounds kind of just obvious, doesn't it? Like, well, that's no light bulb moment. Well, of course. And yet it is a lens shift. The reason that it's a lens shift when we think about this in relation to our children is because how often do we deny this to be true? How often does parenting, mainstream parenting, parenting from the past, how often does it focus on children's behaviour and deny that it is driven from a feeling, from an unsolved problem or an unmet need? How often do we focus on behaviourism, i.e. just looking at the behaviour, and are driven just to stop the behaviour or change the behaviour without ever stopping to work out, well, hey, where is that behaviour actually coming from? Maybe my child isn't enjoying this experience either. They don't want to be throwing a tantrum. It doesn't feel good to them to be in this place of distress where they're hitting others and being yelled at. This doesn't feel good to them. It's really not working out well for them. Maybe they don't want to be doing it. Maybe they're trying to actually tell me something about the fact that they're overwhelmed and they're really needing help right now. That's the lens shift, isn't it? Our children's behaviour is less conscious, less deliberate than what we might have believed in the past. So much of it is driven by survival instincts, a desperate need to communicate that they're just not okay and all they're needing is someone to come alongside them, help them feel safe and help them to talk and problem solve and work out how better to manage this feeling that they're experiencing. Children's behaviour especially those acting out behaviours, the moments where they're just not at their best. It's not just a problem to be stopped. Instead, it's a clue to an issue that needs solving. If we're busy offering them sticker charts to make a different choice or punishing them when they make the wrong choice, we miss this connection entirely. We're focusing on the behaviour. We completely miss the fact that it's driven by a feeling. And by default then what's happening is we're dismissing or disapproving of the feeling that we're experiencing in the first place. If our focus gets stuck on their behaviour as a problem to be stopped, then what will happen is we'll wind up driving the feelings that were behind the behaviour, we'll drive them underground. We'll teach kids that it's best just not to express the feeling. We'll teach them just to bottle their feelings up. We'll teach them that no one's really interested in how they're feeling. 
will teach them that their feelings are something to ignore, something to be ashamed of, something that they should, it's not really safe to share with anyone. When you think about our campaigns around Are You Okay Day and Mental Health Awareness, all of which are you know, really, really important and I'm never going to dispute that for a moment, but it does make me wonder what else are we doing to teach kids that it's actually okay to talk about their feelings? On the one hand, we say that to them with days like Are You Okay Day? So, But when they're acting out and they're having trouble maybe going into their classroom in the morning or they're having a lot of trouble getting up for school or they're having really big tantrums at the end of the day or they're hitting their brother and sister a lot, do we teach them then in those moments that it's okay to talk about their feelings or do we tend to just yell at them and address the behaviour that we see in front of us? Being willing to look behind behaviour and see behaviour as nothing more than just communication frees us up. It frees us up to actually do the real work of teaching kids about feelings, what they are, how to feel them and how to read them to indicate or to tell us what we're actually needing, what's the problem we're experiencing, what are we going to do about it. This reframe, this lens shift, is genius for three main reasons. There's probably more reasons than this, to be quite honest, but these are the three that came to mind straight away. The first one is when you can see behaviour is just communication, it stops you from taking their behaviour personally. That means that it stops you from thinking of them as just a bad kid who's causing trouble all the time or a kid that's just plain hard work and Or maybe also seeing yourself as a parent who's inadequate because you haven't been able to stop them from behaving in this way. So when you're able to see behaviour as communication, you stop taking it personally. It frees you up to look behind that and work out what's the actual problem they need help solving or what's the unmet need. Are they just tired? Are they hungry? Did something happen at school today? Are they needing to move their body? Is it, does it not work for them to sit still for this long? Why is school making them anxious? Why would they not want to enter the classroom? What problem or unmet need are they experiencing once they go in? The second reason that this lens shift is genius is because it gives us the chance to actually teach them how to manage their feelings. When we focus on just stopping behaviour, when we focus on only addressing behaviour and doing nothing more, simply telling kids that it's not okay to act that way, they don't learn anything. They don't learn anything about how to actually manage the feelings that were there in the first place. They just learn that expressing them that way wasn't okay, but what are they meant to do instead? So when you can see that behaviour is just communication, it gives you the chance to then say, hey, let's work out what the feeling was. Now we're going to talk about how you can express that feeling safely. This sounds like saying things like, it's okay to be angry. I get that you are mad at me. I'm not willing for you to hit me, but you can go for a run outside and stomp your feet and jump up and down. That's okay. That's not hurting anyone. So think of safe ways for your kids to express their feelings. It's going to be a whole lot healthier than simply disapproving of their whole experience in the first place. The third reason that this lens shift is genius is because by default, 
when you can see that behaviour is communication, you'll be a calmer parent. You'll be calmer because instead of taking offence, taking it personally, being overwhelmed by why is this happening in the first place, you'll just be able to read it. It will affect you less. You'll be able to stay more objective, more curious, and therefore more nurturing. You'll be better equipped, therefore, inside your own brain to use your resources. It will cool down your own limbic system, the feeling centre of your brain. You'll stay more connected to your own prefrontal cortex where you do all of your higher thinking and your problem solving and all of that kind of thing. Because you're more regulated and calmer, your child will be able to connect to that faster and calm themselves down faster. When the opposite happens and we get mad, what happens? Does that ever go well? Do our children ever calm down quicker because we got madder? Literally never. If we want our children to calm down, we need to calm down first. We need to be able to stay calm and then invite them to regulate down into that space and talk about what they're actually experiencing. So there you go. I'm sure you've heard that phrase, behaviour is communication, previously, but I hope that this episode has helped you unpack and explore that idea a little bit more. Thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to talk to you again in our next episode. Thanks so much for joining me for Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what I do, visit my website, saferstrongerkids.com. Follow me on Facebook, Caroline Allen, Safer Stronger Kids. And follow me on Instagram at Safer Stronger. Can't wait to talk to you again soon.